Okay, so glad to be back again. You're tuned in to Didymus Radio. We are the inquiring mind. This platform is to have an open-hearted and open-minded discussion about real estate, health, history, entertainment, and relationships, and the many controversies and solutions that surround them. I personally believe our relationships are the foundation to our success, and a home with a good foundation provides for sustainable building. Like our homes need foundation and structure, so do our relationships. May that be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, financially, or physically. I hope you're able to leave with some foundation and or structure to help you move forward. I'm your host, Didymus, and we are The Inquirer Mind. I have an amazing guest today, Mr. Aaron Trevino. He is a real estate investor, and I'm pretty sure many, many other things. And so we brought Aaron today on to get a, get a peek into his mind and his world and see where his business has, has led him and where he's also looking to go from here. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well, Thomas. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to just take the time out, man. Seriously. Uh, during, during this time and during this, this, this epidemic or pa pandemic, a lot, we're not only just busy, but some of us are either, either busy to the point where we don't have enough time to fit in other things and others, we're busy trying to get occupied with things because we've lost something. Where would you say you fit into that scale, Aaron? Uh, yeah, honestly, it's kind of interesting because, you know, everything was going, going on in May or sorry, March. Um, in March, when everything happened with, you know, coronavirus hitting and the whole thing, um, there was a lot of uncertainty. People were afraid. They were scared. We didn't know what we would do. Um, and, and it almost kind of seems like when there's disorder like that, the order will eventually come, right? So. Right. I, so I, I know for me, at least it seemed like with all of this disorder, you know, the economy being unstable, you know, people losing jobs, things like that. Um, it was almost like for me personally, I got a, a clear focus um, through, through that, through those difficult times. Oh, okay. I like the way I like that you said that. So when you say you got a clear focus, you know what, tell us who Aaron is and tell us what, what is the clear focus? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, Aaron, uh, I'm a guy. I live here in Austin. Um, I grew up here in the beautiful state of Texas, and uh, I went to UT. So I obviously love the city of Austin. I eventually returned back, um, and I'm living here. And I, um, I work for a private lender, so we lend money for um, real estate investment projects. Build, uh, you know, I work a lot with builders, investors, developers. I'm more of the client-facing guy, so I speak a lot to the clients, um, and I'm also a realtor, so um, I kind of have two hats. Gotcha. Okay. How long have you been in the business? Uh, yeah, so back when I was in college, um, I started out, I got my real estate license, I was about 21, um, so for probably junior, senior years, I was doing apartment locating, mostly for my friends. Um, and then after graduation, I, I went abroad. I was abroad for a little bit. Um, and then I eventually came home and uh, I, I got back to Austin and started working in real estate again. So I guess to answer your question about three years. Okay, okay. 
And so you, you've literally like, from the transition of school to the um, corporate world or the, the business world, um, you took on the hat of actually being involved already in the business before you even finished school. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, a little bit. Um, I mean, to a much smaller capacity. Um, I, I did like apartment locating, but, you know, it's not as, um, I mean, it's, it, it's much different compared to, um, you know, larger builds or developments or something like that. What would you say about um, people who are interested in becoming real estate agents or investors who are new that want to get into the business? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And this isn't just with, with real estate. It, it's really with anything. Um, you know, um, you know, maybe my friends will poke fun at me, but I, I'll stand by this is that reading will only get you up to a point, right? Yeah, there, 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 you know, there, there, there comes a time when when the gloves have to come off and you have to get, you know, you have to get your hands dirty, you have to go in and actually do it. Right. True. Um, I mean, you can call that what you will. You can call that uh, hands-on learning. You can call that being in the trenches or whatever, right? But um, I, I do think there, there's a lot to be said for just putting, putting the books down, putting YouTube away, and just acting. So you take, you say take action. You know, I mean, you say take action because you can only learn so much, but action is, is what's going to give you the answers you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you may get some little bumps on the head too. Maybe you make mistakes like everyone does, but I mean, you learn from them. Um, and it's much better than sitting on the sidelines. And that kind of goes not only for real estate, but just for anything. What's been the most challenging thing that was on your path um, that, that kept you at the hurdle? Yeah, I think honestly, um, just kind of starting in a new business, um, at least, you know, I, I'm working in lending. Um, I, I, I've kind of been relatively familiar with it because I interned for, for them in college. So um, I kind of had a little gist, a little idea of, you know, what lending was about. But I think just learning a brand, basically a brand new business to me, um, you know, there's a learning curve. So I think that would be the most difficult. So the the process of just learning how to start business was, was more difficult than actually being in business. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I would kind of, <laughs> no, it's kind of funny you put it that way. I would kind of equate it to um, almost in a way like learning a, a new language, right? Man, so maybe, yes. You know, so maybe if you're learning a new language, you know, a few little words here and there, but contextually, you know, you don't know how they all fit together. You don't know how to, formulate a sentence until you try to formulate the sentence and you start speaking, right? Man, that's, that's true. That's true. You know, sometimes when you look at other languages, you, you realize like, it's, it sounds like I can do it. But then when you start to try to do it, you realize I need to put in a lot more effort than sounding like I could do it and actually need to deal with being a, a, a maybe a failure a few times, how, how much would you say that what you failed at, failed at contributed to your success and what you're doing now? Um, definitely a lot. Um, I don't know if this is a corny analogy, but it's true. Um, I played baseball, you know, all growing up. Um, the town I grew up in was just baseball crazy. So, you know, all the, all the 
I won't say all of us, but a lot of, you know, young, young boys that, that live there, they want to be great baseball players. So mm-hmm. I played throughout my entire childhood. Um, and, you know, you can strike out seven out of 10 times. And, what town uh, is that? Uh, Corpus Christi. Got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you've been down there, but they, they love their baseball. Just the South Padre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By there. I wouldn't say to there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's on the way down. I got you. I got yeah. you. But, um, but yeah. And so baseball was one of the things that was maybe the, how people seen the, the, the pivotal stance in your city wasn't necessarily uh, real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just kind of, kind of more of an analogy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of go back to baseball a little bit. You know, I remember one game I, I struck out three times in a row. I had four at bats the whole game. I struck out three times and the fourth at bat, I hit a triple off the wall. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you, so you, you never know, but the, the point is kind of winning that, that little battle in your head. Right. So do you think that the battle, the battle with yourself in your head is at times more challenging than what you think that's before you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because everything is kind of your, your perception and everything is frankly the way you frame it. Right. So, I mean, if you take two different people and you give them the exact same situation, right. One person could completely crumble and, and, you know, and roll over and give up. And the other person could, you know, be victorious. The other person could have no problem handling it. Right. Is there any, you know, is there any difference between those people? Yes, maybe, maybe there's some sort of, um, you know, mechanism that this person has that they've kind of trained themselves to be able to deal with those situations. So, I mean, that that kind of takes me into this. So do you think environment um, distinguishes what someone can or can't do? I think to a point. I mean, I, I do think, you know, this is kind of a, the proverbial, what is it, uh, you know, nurture versus nature, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough to tell because it's such a, I guess, a complex thing. But um, there is a, a lot to say about environment. Um, but, I mean, frankly, not everyone has dealt the same cards. Everyone has their own personal strengths. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that people should use any sort of bad thing that's happened to them or any sort of bad circumstance, that shouldn't be a crutch, right? And I mean, you have people who have come over, you know, big adversity. I mean, I could, I could name, I could name many people, you know, many people on the Forbes list, many people who are just, are not even people on the Forbes list, just people that I've met throughout my life who had maybe rough childhoods and now they're successful business people or actors, actresses, you know, whatever it may be. So there's always a way. Was there an expectation for you in, in your city or your neighborhood or your family to, to more so be this baseball star and not anything else? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I, uh, you know, I was, I, I was decent, but I, I wouldn't say I, I was by no means a star. Um, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> um, I mean, it was something I love to do. Um, it was just more of an analogy that I made, but I always knew that um, I wanted to get a, a good education, um, I guess, basically the way that, you know, we're, we're all kind of kind of raised, 
um, you know, to get an education, to be able to come here to Austin um, and to be able to, you know, go out into the workforce and, and, and meet people and, and help them and, and do the best that I can. How'd you get in your first, how did you land your first real estate deal? First real estate deal. Um, hmm. Let's see. It was actually on LinkedIn. <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was actually on LinkedIn. Um, and I had, um, I had added this, I had added this, this lady that was, um, I guess she was in kind of, um, in kind of a, a similar space, right? So I'm here in Austin, she's in Houston, kind of a similar space. Um, and she had a deal that on, on the table that she couldn't, that she couldn't do. Um, and she ended up referring it to me. So, um, that, that was my first one. Wow. You checked it out people. So using your resources, using your network, you don't always get business by just going out there to look for business, but sometimes you get businesses by being connected to the right people. Sure. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, <clears throat> tell us what is, what is your current goal in business at this, at this present time? Yeah. So my current goal, um, I also have a, a YouTube channel as well. I've made about, um, I've had about, obviously you were a terrific guest on my show. Um, I've had about, uh, I've had about 30, there you go. <laughs> I've had about, uh, about 30 people come on. So I'm looking to just, um, improve my YouTube channel. Um, I also have a Facebook group where I, I like to have, you know, like-minded investors, builders, developers, um, you know, just like-minded people with, you know, similar real estate goals, trying to grow that. Um, and yeah, just kind of getting a little better every day. Why have these platforms become, become important to you? Sure. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's not just to me. I mean, they, they've become important to all of us. I mean, if you look back to where we were at a year ago, I mean, I'm sure you were on Facebook, but I know I sure as heck wasn't this active on Facebook 12 months ago. Right. Yes. So it, it almost seems like, you know, the economy changing, um, all these global events going on, um, you know, with everything going on, it kind of seems like being kind of ingrained in technology has almost not just become a luxury, but a necessity. Man, you got that right. I, I can see that. I mean, <clears throat> the where we were last year, I wouldn't be relying on Zoom phone calls to connect with people. <laughs> yeah. But where we are right now, I wouldn't rely on meeting up in person. Yeah. It's kind of weird because I'm more, I, I consider myself more of a, a in-person person. I consider myself more of a pick up the, the phone and talk to you and hear you. And when I hear to, to connect with you through Zoom or connect with you through an app, I feel like I'm connecting with the app and not the person. What do you feel like? Yeah, I mean, I, I know we uh, we touched on this a little bit uh, on on my show a little bit, but uh, I know you're the you're the handshake guy. You even said you'll give people a hug too, if yeah. they need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, I don't know. I, I I think it's good and bad. I think it's good because it, it allows people to kind of connect with each other in a way that maybe they wouldn't normally be able to. Um, and frankly, we haven't had to do anything like this in history, right? 
Um, right. But I mean, on, on the other hand, I also think that it's, it's partially negative because at the end of the day, we are human and we do have that, you know, that, that craving, that need to be around other people. Do you feel like technologies in, um, increase your ability to do business or decreased it? Uh, definitely increased. Um, because I, I mean, you know, in no, no other time in human history, I mean, if you wanted to, you could download WhatsApp on your phone and call your friend in Croatia, right? Yeah. Whereas my grandparents, you know, you, they wouldn't, they couldn't even fathom something like that. They would have had to have written a letter, right? You have to walk right. down to the post office, you put it in, in, in there, you pay, and then you wait, you know, who knows how long until your friend receives the letter, opens it, reads it, writes you back, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a, it was a, a time where we literally waited on messages and now we're in a time where we literally get mad at people for not responding to messages. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy about text messages. It's almost like, um, it's almost like sending a Raven, right? So you, you kind of, you kind of write a little note and then you wrap it in a little scroll and then you, put it <laughs> on, and then you put on the Raven's foot and you, and you release a beautiful Raven, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But, but the thing about sending a text message or an email is that the other person isn't obligated to say anything, right? So it's almost like sending the Raven, you send it out, they're not obligated to write you back. You're just, you're just hoping that they'll reciprocate back, right? So it's kind of interesting, the not responding ghosting phenomenon. I like that. It's because you make me think of it as the, because you make me think of uh, movies or TV shows where they send their messenger birds. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, when you send this messenger bird off, it's just like this bird can carry this message. Yes, where the hell is it carrying the message? <laughs> is the message being delivered? Yep. Is the 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 message going to be delivered back in the time that I want it? And yep. so, because you make me think about that, I I see technology, um, almost being a a conduit to control the time frame. Mm. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Not necessarily the message, but the time frame. You know? Sure. Uh do you think technologies made real estate investing easier? Oh man, that's tough. I, I mean I, I would I would say yes and no. Um yes because of all the information and no because of all the information. Ah, I like that. I like that. Go a little, explain a little more. Yeah, I mean, you know, let, let's just, I mean, I, I was I was just born a couple of years ago, so I'm, I'm by no means a, a, seasoned, a seasoned veteran. Um, but the way it seems was that, I mean, if you want, if, you know, everything was, a lot of things were by hand, you know, you didn't have these fob keys, right, where you would, um, have an app on your phone and then put it underneath the underneath the lockbox and then you would just magically walk into the house right right um, so you know things were more manual by hand you had to deal with a lot more paperwork whereas now um, a lot of things are just completely streamlined they're digitized um, you know if you want to find a property you can look online there's software programs there's um, p other people to be connected with online um, so it's tough, man. It's hard to say. 
that's completely understandable. I mean, how how can people looking for you your product and your company's product or the, the business you work with product, how can they not get lost in other companies' information? What is it that distinguishes your company's product and what they provide? Yeah, I mean, definitely the the product uh, the product is terrific, obviously. But I think what you're looking for is you know the people as well. Um, so it, it's easy to call into a large company. You know, maybe they're out of state, maybe they're in another city, um, and they're just kind of a just a faceless organization, right? And I think right. that's kind of the 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 little the, the shift that we're having in business culture is that a lot of times people aren't wanting to deal with a big company in New York or L.A. You know, they're wanting a, a, a good, reputable person, reputable company right in their backyard, right? right. So if, if you're doing business in Texas, why not give another Texan your business, right? Um, you know, someone who's familiar with the area, someone who's been around and kind of knows it a bit. Um, and, you know, for maybe what I lack in experience, there's plenty of people um, around me that, that do have it. So that's what's nice. And, and, and what product do y'all specialize in? Uh, sure. So we, we work a lot. Um, you know, like I said, I, I work a lot with investors, builders, developers. Um, so basically we, you know, we lend money or we finance their real estate projects. Um, and so th is this primarily private money that's being loaned? Is this hard money that's being loaned on an interest? What, what, what type of money is this? Sure, sure. So it's uh, yeah, private money or hard money, I guess, kind of interchangeable. But um, but yeah, so we're um, we're private hard money, um, and we you know we service all of Texas. Um, so we do a lot of deals here in Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, um, and a lot of places in between. You know, basically. What's some of the what's some of the requirements that y'all um, need from your your borrowers to actually meet your criteria? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, we prefer anyone with experience, but we will take on new investors, which is no problem as well. Um, I talk to new investors all the time. Uh, prefer over 600 credit. Um, that would be great as well. Um, We'd like to know you're paying your bills. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is right, my man. But, um, but yeah, so the, you know, those two things. Um, and basically, you know, if the deal makes sense, we'll look at it, right? So as long as it's not something crazy where someone's wanting to build a six bedroom home, uh, you know, with, with four bathrooms in the middle of nowhere, right. You probably can't run comps or comparables on it. Right. So we're, we're looking at something that, you know, makes sense not only for, for us as a lender, but is also in the best interests of our client as well. So, a, a lot of your lending criteria, it sounds like it's based upon the deal. And if the deal is beneficial or fruitful for both parties, not necessarily the standard requirements that may be required in a bank loan. Right, right. That, that's a little, uh, you know, we're a little bit different from a conventional bank. Um, so, I mean, not to bash the, the, the conventional banks, right. but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they're, you know, closing times can be longer. They can make you wait. Um, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, however long it may be, depending on the area. Um, whereas for us, we can close in 10 business days. Um, so what's nice is that, you know, if you're working in a competitive Texas market, 
like really any metro area, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, whichever, um, you know, having that, that money in a, in a short period of time can be crucial for, for a deal. You're absolutely right. I mean, right now, what I'm literally experiencing is it being multiple offers on a lot of the deals that I'm, I'm seeing that my even retail buyers or investors, I'm just seeing multiple offers, period. Um, even in the leasing world, I'm seeing multiple offers. So it's, it's letting me know about um, how motivated people are and how desperate people are. Uh, how, let's see. So deals can be closed within about seven to 10 days. It sounds like with y'all. Um, what's the type of client y'all don't work with? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I've never actually been asked that before. I, I mean, you know, we, we do like to work with people with experience, um, but we, we, will, we will take on first timers. In terms of people we don't work with, I mean, you know, we can, we can really work with anyone, um, you know, uh, assuming their, you know, their, their background is clean, there are no issues there, um, you know, no issues from the past that are problematic. But, you know, as long as the, the credit score is decent um, and, you know, the deal makes sense and that we're on the same page, you know, we can, we can see what we can do. So that's something to keep in mind, people. So uh, a lot of times it's just hard to get into to real estate first because you don't know where to turn. So when you have someone like Aaron, Aaron is here to basically guide you on your path to knowing where to turn with your money and your money options. And Aaron is here to let you know as long as you have your, your credit score in order or it's meeting the requirements they're looking for along with a deal that's fruitful for both Aaron and you, it's, it's something that could help you get into real estate investing with, without having to work out all the different parts of this transaction by yourself. Aaron is here to help you relieve the stress of the money side of this, this investment. And so I am looking to bring Aaron to the, to the forefront and I'm looking to bring Aaron to your back door so y'all can reach out to him and ask him questions about your investment needs because that, that is simply his goal to help you close a great deal. Am I right? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, so you tell me a little bit about more about the locations you work in. Uh, sure. You know, so we work, um, you know, all the major metro areas. Um, we also work in smaller secondary markets. Um, you know, we'll do, um, Brian called station. We'll do, um, you know, New Braunfels, um, we'll take a look at Midland, Odessa. Um, you know, there are smaller markets. We'll do Corpus Christi as well. Um, Anything out of state? Um, for now, no, not, nothing out of okay. state. Um, okay. That's kind of on a case-by-case -case basis starting next, uh, next year. What about qualifying people who are out of state for projects in Texas? Sure. So, you know, that, that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, however, we do require that they have a Texas-based LLC, um, okay. you know, which is generally no problem for someone. You know, for example, let's say you have someone from Nevada coming in, right? Um, and they have, you know, they have an L, you know, some sort of corporation or LLC from Nevada, right? 
So being that they're willing to spend money in Texas on a real estate deal, they'll pay a couple hundred bucks to make a Texas-based entity. And it's easy. You do it online and, you know, that's about it. Gotcha. I think that kind of leads me to my next question. So do you require this investor to be in, can they be an individual or must they be incorporated? Uh, yeah, so we, we require that, they're, that they have an LLC. So gotcha. we don't lend to ind individuals, we lend to LLCs. Why is that important, Aaron? Yeah, you know, it's definitely something important. Um, you know, I guess just so, I mean, really, it's, it's important for both parties, but it's also important for the investor themselves, right? So, you know, just having a, an LLC as an extra precaution, um, you know, it, it's, it's not very expensive um, compared to, you know, doing a deal and putting money into it. So, um, yeah, it's good just to cover your bases. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's your favorite part of this business? Uh, honestly, I, I just enjoyed uh, talking to people. Um, you know, I know how you mentioned, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of both. I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm kind of cool being behind the computer, but at the end of the day, I do like the handshaking. I do like, you know, seeing friends, meeting people, the whole thing. But um, I guess the fav my favorite part would just kind of be just putting the puzzle pieces together, right? So it's almost like you're, you're just kind of problem solving. You have an issue and you're just filling the gaps. You're, you know, filling everything together to where you have a completed puzzle piece or puzzle, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Do you have a, a current deal that you're working on right now that you can share some numbers with us? Or do you have a, a, a deal that you can think of that sticks out that was a little difficult that you could share some numbers with us on? Uh, in terms of numbers, I, I can't really think any off the top of my head. Um, but I, I did a, a decent deal um, last, last month in San Antonio. Um, mm -hmm. A great builder down there. Um, and he, um, he bought two lots and he's looking to, and he subdivided them and he's looking to build a house on one and then start the other at a later time. Um, but yeah, so he's, you know, he's doing a new construction build. Um, and it's great to work with builders like him. Um, I'm actually planning on going to San Antonio. I'm going down there tomorrow, um, you know, uh, to kind of see the, the beginning of the, of the project. What was his interest rate like with y'all? Yeah, so it was around, I mean, generally we're around uh, 12 to 13.5%. Um, so he was around 13%. Now, you know, in general, the interest rates with a, a bank versus, you know, a hard money lender is going to be higher. But let the people know some of the, the benefits, I mean, along with closing fast to, you know, lend, um, borrowing with a, lend, um, a hard money lender. Yeah, it, definitely. You know, kind of how I mentioned before, I mean, the banks, you know, they'll, you know, they'll take a longer time, we can close faster. Um, you know, but the big advantage is, I mean, you're comparing, uh, you know, let's say you compare a 30 year mortgage to what we do, right? So what we do is basically, our notes are written for 12 months. So the idea is that you have a short term loan, it's at a higher interest rate. So it is more expensive. However, you know, when you do crunch the numbers, um, a lot of our, especially our repeat clients, they keep, you know, wanting to work with us is they, they run the numbers and they find out, Hey, you know, despite, 
despite the higher interest rates, you know, they're coming out on, you know, they're coming out pretty good on this. They're able to, you know, get in there and, and build their house. They're able to get in there, do the rehab, um, you know, and sell their, you know, flip their property and then, and get their money. Um, so we, we kind of put people in, in a great position to be able to do that. Um, is there a time frame on re refinancing? Uh, yeah, so that, um, our refinances are, are the notes. Again, they're written for 12 months. Um, yeah, just 12 month, uh, 12 month note and we can do refinances as well. Awesome, man. Appreciate it so much. I mean, it's, it's so many layers in the, the, the real estate investing realm and the money realm that I want to slowly take people and clients and just the audience on a journey throughout this podcast about just hearing different parts about the machine of investing in real estate. Because many people just think it's just one body and one, one machine movement, but it's a machine with different body parts coming from different industries that, that make something work out, you know? Yeah, absolutely, Thomas. It's, um, it's, you know, it's never ending kind of, you're, you're kind of continually learning as you go. Um, I even had a phone call with, um, you know, a guy that's going to come on my podcast, uh, tomorrow in San Antonio. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he, he's been in the business for 35 years and he said, man, Aaron, I'm learning every day, you know? Yeah. So, uh, th there's a lot to be said for that. It's a very vast industry and there's a, a lot of opportunity and a, a lot of things you can do. So it's, I, I find it exciting. Man, I hear that. I hear that. Well, I mean, I, I definitely thank you for coming on, but before I do let you go, I do like to ask a, a few questions. And, and one of those questions in, in this segment is what you would tell your 18 year old self about investing. And so I want to know what Aaron Trevino would tell his 18 year old self about investing. Yeah, honestly, I, I know this is kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, if, if me right now, if I told myself at 18, Aaron, you need to do this, he wouldn't listen. So <laughs> frankly, the, the answer to, the answer to that is nothing because 18 year old Aaron wouldn't have listened. Oh, so in, in not listening, what would be in, in more important to him at that time? Uh, yeah, I mean, 18 year old Aaron was, uh, you know, he, he was in school. He was trying to, you know, do his best in school and trying to get, get the job done, um, which, which was fine. Not a big deal. Um, but I, I don't know. It just seems like when you're, you know, when you're at that age, not that anything's wrong with being 18, but um, I was an 18 year old once, um, you know, not that anything's wrong with that, but it's just, you know, your priorities are different. You kind of view things differently. Um, you know, you don't really have that sort of perspective, much like when you're 25, you don't have the perspective that a 35 year old would, or when you're 35, the same perspective that someone would have when they're in their sixties. Right. So it's kind of this yeah. continual progression. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. Um, brings us to our next segment. So the history. So looking at an article on home.howstuffworks.com, they have a history of mortgages. And they say, you may think mortgages have been around for hundreds of years. After all, how could anyone ever afford to pay for the house outright? It was only in the 1930s, however, 
that mortgages actually got their start. It may surprise you to learn that banks didn't forge ahead with this new idea. Insurance companies did. These daring insurance companies did this not in the interest of making money through fees or interest charges, but in the hopes of gaining ownership of properties if borrowers fail to keep up with their payments. Did you know that, Aaron? And what do you no. think about that? I, I did not know that. What do you yeah. think about it? Yeah, no, I honestly didn't know that. So thank you for, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that. I, I, I'm always interested in learning about different historical things because I, I love history too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that's, that's not right. Um, you know, I, I don't agree with people, you know, back then doing things like that, but you know, I mean, we're, we're humans, we're, you know, we're, we're fallible. And um, I, I think that it, you know, now we're, we're doing a lot better in, in that regard. I hear that. I hear, that. and and even not it necessarily being right or wrong, but it's just how mortgages started. Sure, sure. It, it wasn't a right or wrong. It's, but it's so crazy to think of that people in the the home um, mortgage industry didn't think of of mortgages, but literally insurance companies thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I mean, to this very day, in, insurance companies are here just in case things happen. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> we yeah. insure things we insure things just in case they happen. So it's so crazy that um a profession that's not even in our industry directly has such such a, a direct impact on such a, a product today like the mortgage. I, I just I just thought that was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah no that, that is interesting. And, and when you break down the word mortgage, it, it literally means uh, death age. Death so, pledge. Death pledge. Death pledge. And so when you connect that with the whole insurance thing and just in case, you're like, oh, that makes sense. It's a death pledge just in case this happens. Yeah. Wow. I didn't <laughs> think of that. <laughs> I mean, that's just what my mind was saying, but who knows what it really means. Sure, sure. That's interesting, man. Um, okay. Um, one more, man. What makes a house a home? In one word, Aaron. Kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah. Okay, man. Now I want you to elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, to me, I'm uh, I'm not saying that I'm exactly Emerald. I'm not the best chef. Um, but you know, I I do enjoy cooking. Um, and it just kind of seems like, at least in my mind, growing up, um, you know, kind of during my childhood, a lot of my fondest memories, I mean, I obviously do work, you know, remember working on things in my garage or being in the backyard or throwing the baseball in the front yard. But a lot, I think that a lot of the memories that are forged in a home, they all start in the kitchen because you kind of think about what brings people together, right? So yeah. maybe you know, maybe serious decisions are discussed in the kitchen. Maybe serious issues are discussed in the kitchen. Maybe, maybe a big celebration, you know, something to be really happy about is discussed in the kitchen, right? Yeah. And you think about, I mean, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have Easter, you have, you know, all these different, um, whatever sort of holidays that you, that you celebrate, right? It's almost like those cheerful moments are spent in the kitchen. Man, I like that. I like that response, man. I, that that wasn't what came to my head at first when I heard kitchen, 
because I was just thinking about eating, but you're explaining so much more than just eating. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're explaining and the connectivity that comes in the kitchen between families and friends and the bonds you build. Yeah, man, I, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll kind of elaborate a bit more on that. One thing I thought was funny was um, I used to live in Spain. So I, I studied abroad in Spain. Um, I was happy I was able to do something like that. But there was one running joke that the Spaniards used to have about the American students. And they would say, uh, how do you know if you see an American, uh, an American in a hurry walking down the street? And I, would, and I would say what? And they would say anyone with a Starbucks coffee in their hand with headphones on in a hurry, you know, with the Starbucks coffee in their hand, running to the train station, that's an American. <laughs> you know? <It's> American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I thought, you know, and I thought about it, and there was so much truth to it. And if you notice... Is that because they eat at home a lot over there? Uh, well, partially that. I mean, people will eat at home, but kind of the point was that, um, you know, in a country like Spain... Um, you know, the, the coffee, the cafe culture is huge. So people will go in and, you know, they'll go in at 10 o'clock in the morning and they'll have a business meeting um, over coffee, right? Or people will have lunch and th there's kind of a social aspect and a social dynamic. You don't have this big fast food culture. I'm going to eat while I'm standing up and walking for five minutes so I can go to wherever I'm going to go, Right. Right. And, uh, and I think that that's why I responded with kitchen because the kitchen is kind of the, it, it prevents that the kitchen is kind of a place where regardless of what's going on, you know, you can spend 30 minutes with, you know, your friends, your family, whoever, and, uh, you know, just share some food and, and just talk about what's going on. You make me think kitchen. Now I have a different perspective, like stay, enjoy it. And um, bask in it because the time that went in to make this meal, the time to bring these people here to this kitchen, you're experiencing, experiencing it all from this dish and from being in this presence with your friends or family. And so it's, it's nothing like the experience you get when you're on the run yeah. and your mind is in a thousand different places. <laughs> and the present moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. I appreciate that so much, man. So, you know, in closing, are you working on any projects you'd like to share with us? Do you have any events coming up you'd like to share with us? Um, in terms of projects right now, um, not so much. I mean, I have a few, um, I have a few clients that I'm working with in different cities trying to um, you know, make sure that they're satisfied and that they get the loans that they need to, to do their deals. Um, so I'm doing that. In terms of events, um, I don't really have any events that I can think of off the top of my head. But, um, but man, if you, if you know any, make sure to let me know and I'll, I'll do my best to be there. Yeah, I'll keep your mind for sure. And so just tell everybody where they can find you at in case they're ever seeking any type of hard money loan advice. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you know, I know we're mutual friends, Thomas, but, um, yeah, so just Aaron Trevino on Facebook, um, here in Austin. How you spell that? <laughs> spell, uh, spell my name. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to spell it, but you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, just a disclaimer, you know, normally if it's a guy, it's A-A-R-O-N, right? It's not with yeah. an E. 
<laughs> so it's uh, A-A-R-O-N and then Trevino, T-R-E-V-I-N-O. Um, for our older guests, that's like the golfer. If you're in your 20s, you probably don't understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> he was a famous golfer. He lives in Dallas. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not related, though. Anyways, so that's my last name. So name's Aaron Trevino. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at Aaron P. Trevino as well. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I also have a podcast. I've had 30 guests so far. I'm looking to have 100 by the end of the year. So I want you to hold me accountable, Thomas. Yes, please do. And, and tell them what your podcast is about and who you want on there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my podcast is just um, a way to get real estate professionals to come on and basically just share their journey, share, you know, what they've kind of been doing. Um, so I, I like bringing on other investors, builders, developers, um, and we talk about all facets of real estate. We've talked about, um, you know, mortgage notes. We've talked about title. We've talked about, um, you know, wholesaling. We've talked about multifamily syndication, development, all these different things. So I try to just get as many different minds as I can and, um, you know, just try to share ideas. And, um, you know, it seems like the audience is, is enjoying it. Love it. Love it. Okay. That concludes our episode. I personally believe our relationships are the foundations to our success and a home with a good foundation provides for a sustainable building. Like our homes need foundation and structure, so do our relationships. May that be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, financially, or physically. I hope you leave with some foundation and or structure to help you move forward. As far as today, hope you can move forward with something to do with investing in real estate or where to get money in real estate. And remember to connect with Mr. Aaron Trevino. I'm your host, Didymus, and we are The Inquiring Mind. I appreciate you, Mr. Aaron Trevino. Thank you, Thomas. I really enjoyed being on your show. You're, you're doing a terrific job. You're doing something special here. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. But thank you. I'm, I'm so humbled by it. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Look forward to having you on other episodes. And also, I look forward to getting some deals closed with you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay, man. I look forward to talking with you soon. Absolutely. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great one.